You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Right now we're getting ready to hear scripture given to us, and as Sarah Bailey gets ready to read this, this is a story we find in the beginning of John chapter 8, and it is a powerful story of someone who's caught in the moment of examination and the graduation experience that she receives in the name of Jesus Christ. Sarah, would you please join with us in guiding us in this moment? Thank you for leading us. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on do not sin again. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sarah. Now would you join with me in a moment of prayer. Gracious and loving God, we ask you now to come and wrap your Holy Spirit around each and every person who participates in this worship. We ask that you'll help bless, especially our graduates, but also open our, all of our eyes and our hearts and minds to what you want to reveal to us in this moment. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts and minds, and even more the actions we take because of them, bring glory to you and change the world to make it more like the kingdom of God on earth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Here as we enter June, it feels like there's a real yearning for us to want to quickly jump into the world that we have left behind for a few months. You probably have heard this term, everybody is looking to want to get back to having life normal again. But now people are saying the new normal. But recognizing that the way things were in the past will not automatically stay the same as we evolve into what is next in our country, in the world, in our community, and within ourselves. Things have changed. And to want to go back to the normal, back to the way things were, is a natural desire. But the new normal is more likely. There will be things that we will soon do, that we remember, that we celebrate. But there will also be changes. And the question for us is, what will we take with us out of this time? What have we learned? What lessons are we able to receive from these past few months and for the months to come? 
They'll help shape the days and ways in which we live into the future. Here in the church, we've learned to function radically differently, haven't we? And yet, even as we all yearn to get back into the building, and we do, the fact is we're still connected to each other. We're still able to support each other in all kinds of messaging. Uh, We're still worshiping together. Yes, it's different, but in some ways, for many, it's become even more impactful or accessible. And we celebrate that. We've learned how to connect to people without always having to get out of our homes. Now, I know right now we want to get out of our homes, but I also know that in the future there'll be some meetings we're going to have in the church and probably in all areas of your life that'll be on a Zoom or some other kind of platform that allows us to connect more quickly and, and to allow us to get our work done in a different way. It's okay, we're learning new things, and that's all good. We've come to celebrate in the church the way in which you are able to support the ministry and your spirit's the one that's doing that. So we're so grateful for the way that your heart is continuing to be generous, the way you know it's important for us to maintain and strengthen this community to witness Christ in a unique way into the world. But you're doing that in a new way. So many of you are now participating in onla- online giving. We, didn't, we offered it before, but some of us are discovering the new way in which that makes it accessible to us and an opportunity for us to continually, regularly put Christ first in our financial life. That's a new thing for many of you. We also have learned to do classes in a new way. All kinds of new things are happening. And while we do yearn to get back in the building and we're beginning to have real conversations about how that's going to roll out, more of that to come later, we are also recognizing the church in the new day will look different. We'll be able to operate in different ways and continue the same spirit and mission of connecting people to people and people to God. What have you learned in your life in these past few months that while you want to get out of this particular way of living, you're going to take some lessons with you in the new days? Have you given, has it given you a new appreciation of the way you might see some things going forward? Do any of us have a deeper appreciation for teachers and for the role they and the education process plays in not only helping to teach our children, but to help shape their character, to give them that engagement with other in their peer groups and to learn from others outside of their household and to help encourage the community at large. Will you not perhaps enjoy dinner out just a little bit more when you feel safe once again to go back into a restaurant and sit down and simply order and relax? How about just going to see a movie? See UMC at the movies this coming January, hoping that that happens. We'll have a specially unique feel to it this year, won't it? We have learned so much in these past few days that we will continue to hold things more precious in the days to come. Those are gifts. But there are other things we've learned too that can help shape how we live our life together as a community, as a church, and as a nation. We have come to discover just how many people are living on the margins. We've come to discover by watching the long lines of folks who are needing assistance with food and basic resources that so many are living on the margin, living paycheck to paycheck. Now, we've been told, you've probably heard financial planners say, you need to have three to six months of savings so that if something happens, you can live off your 
savings for that period of time to get you through a difficult time. We've all heard that all of our life, but we know that while there are those who have accomplished that, so many have not. A year ago, we were hearing headlines of how 40% of Americans could not handle an unexpected bill of $400 or more. Well, that's why our food lines are so long. And we've come to recognize with empathy and care and compassion that so many live on the margin of economic stability. We have learned that there are other ways in which people are living on the margins as well. All of the issues politically and socially that are ramping all around us, the racial injustice that once again pulls at our heart trains and draws our attention in is there before us. We've come to discover that the margins are different for white America and black America. And we've come to understand that while we have made strides, it isn't enough to say we've helped be better than we were before, but what we're talking about is basic dignity and equality of human rights and opportunity. There is still work to be done, and we now know that. We know for a fact that that racial divide cuts across everything in our country. We're seeing it in front of us in so many ways, with justice, with health care, and even in the church, the most, one of the most segregated institutions in the country. We have work to do. We've learned that lesson in these past few months and relearned it again, some of us. Now, what will we do? Once again, we see that our country has a, a political divide, which is not only about disagreement, it's about disrespect. And we've seen the ability for people to figure out how to not only label people as those who disagree with you, but rather to label them as enemies. We've learned those lessons. And it's time for us to wonder, what will we do with these lessons that we have learned in these past few months? They brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle of a crowd of men judging her and put her in front of Jesus, saying, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? A couple things here quickly. To be a caught in adultery means literally that. To be able to be stoned for being an adulteress, you had to be caught in adultery. Notice that this woman stands here, caught in adultery, but she stands alone. There is no partner with her in this adulterous act who has come this far with her. She is on her own, judged by men who are saying of her, she is such a woman like that. No name, no understanding of her broader story, just condemnation of the worst moment of her life in the most public way possible. This was a test for Jesus. They came to trip him up. They came hoping that they could embarrass him by the way he would answer, not understanding how embarrassed they should be by the way they acted. So Jesus, frustrated at what they bring to him, kneels down in the sand and begins, it says, to write in the sand. He wasn't writing a message. He was playing in the sand. He knew that what they had to say was really so painfully filled with arrogance and judgment that those words had no value for him. So he's 
distracted by messing in the sand until they get done speaking. And he says very simply, those of you who are without sin, you get to throw the first stone. In the tradition of Moses, it was the eldest one there in the circle who could cast the first stone. Jesus changes that. The one of you, not the oldest, but any one of you who has the ability to say you are without sin, you get to throw it. How about you? Would you, would you like to throw it? Would, would in an act of overwhelming accountability, they all fade away. Jesus looks at the woman and asks, who has been left to condemn you? No one. Then neither do I. Jesus is not offering to her condemnation, but rather forgiveness. This act of forgiveness reminds us that in the Greek, the word forgiveness also can mean to liberate and to bring someone out of danger. Jesus did care about sin. Yes, it's power to destroy lives. But he did not want sin ever to become the label by which people were known. People have brokenness within them. But he was interested in restoring people to full health. He is not there to condemn her. He's there to forgive her. He is there to offer his grace and love to release this woman, to set her free to a new life, to new possibilities. Then neither do I condemn you. I'm not interested in condemning you. I want to forgive you. I want you to know that you're okay with me, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. You are my child. I love you. But he's not giving her just a free pass. He's given her a new way. So he says to her, go on your way. But do not sin anymore. What a statement. And what an invitation. He's not putting pressure on her to spend the rest of her life tense and worried about making a mistake in the eyes of others or in the eyes of God. Rather, he's saying, do you understand? I'm setting you free for the possibility that sin will never have its power over you. That you are going to make mistakes, but your primary character will be defined by how you live in faith and in grace and in mercy. You will be known not as women such as you, but rather as that person who is a child of God. You get to go and live your life not controlled, condemned, or judged by others because of your brokenness, but rather in the name of Jesus Christ. You get to go live free. This has been the most amazing graduation experience ever. She's come to a moment of reckoning, to a moment of having to be judged. And yet in this moment, Jesus chooses not to take it to judge her, but to empower her and to set her free to live her life. She is graduating into the future, a future filled with hope that just a few minutes ago was filled with the anticipation of not only humiliation, but death. She is set free. Graduates, you are being set free. Not to abandon the love of your families or the support of the community or your friends or all the blessings that your past has brought you, but it is saying to you this. We recognize how much you have lost in this season. We grieve it with you. The loss of seasons of sports events, the loss of concerts not played, the loss of proms not danced. The list goes on. You have your own list and I'm not going to gloss over them and say, yeah, but we've all lost things. That's not the message today. We grieve with you what you have lost. The inability to celebrate you in person today in the worship, in, in the sanctuary, we grieve. 
because we want to honor you. We want to let you know how much we love you, how much we're proud of you, and how much we want to send you forth with our prayers and our support. We're doing that today in a new way, in a different way. But while we grieve what you have lost, I want you to know that you are graduating into the greatest opportunity of any class I have known in many, many decades. You are graduating into the world that is learning lessons where we get a chance for a reckoning, not to continue to beat ourselves up, but rather to change, to decide what we will be, to decide what kind of future we will have, and you will be the ones who will help us with that. It is not your future anymore to have dumped on you or put upon you. It is your future to help create, and you will not do it alone. So many of us are graduating with you right now, remembering the lessons that we have learned and committing to not go back to the old normal, but to find ways to continue to address the issues that lay before us. Those lessons that we've learned, we don't want you to live on the margin of fear. People don't get into despair by a radical, just simple moment very often. Usually it's taken by a very first innocent step. So I'm gonna invite you right now to think about this. Never live in want because of what you want. Begin now to understand, to be able to find your future built on a foundation that says, I'd be willing to do without, to make sure that I'm secure and safe and those that I love are secure and safe, that we can withstand troubled times because you know what troubled times are like. Because I'm going to be willing to do things like save more than just spend. I'm going to live so that I can understand I have resource and capacity more than debt. I'm going to become to be that most generous person in the world who is generous to God, generous to yourself by the way in which you understand all the things that are going to be given to you in the years to come are gifts from God to use them wisely and allow your life to reflect lives not lived in want, but generous lives, celebrating the generosity of God given to you and how you then express that generosity in the world by what you support, who you become and how you live confident in what comes in the next few days in your life. I want to encourage you to understand you have this opportunity right now to choose how you want to build bridges with people who are different than you. As you get ready to graduate, you get choices about not only where you will go to school or where you will work, but to be able to find communities that are different than you, people that are different than you, and get to know them by name, get to know them as friends, get to share your life story, and allow your mutual lives and interaction to rechange how the world sees each other. You have the opportunity to do that. You're being set free to choose your friends, your community, and what kind of community you're wanting to help make possible by your effort. We are so excited for you for this opportunity that you have and that God is giving you and giving to us all. You get the chance to have a voice in the faith communities that you'll be a part of to say, we will not be focused on sin, but we will have the power of Jesus to conquer sin and be really focused on liberating people out of their brokenness, letting them be known by name and celebrating them as they are for who they are as children of God to live their life as they go also forward to sin no more, to not let sin define them 
either their own self-definition or the way in which we, the church, defines them. You get to be that church and help the church become more of that in the days and wherever you are. I pray that you'll find a faith community that will continue to remind you of this blessing and opportunity that is yours. Some would say that these are dark days. And yes, in many ways they are. There have been parts of it that I will not gloss over. It's been difficult. But this is graduation day. And while we are not fully out of this new kind of dynamic we're experiencing in the world, we are moving forward into the future. And whenever you do that, you, like the woman in front of Jesus, get an opportunity to hear him say to you, I don't condemn you. I don't want you to be beaten down by the challenges around you. I want to set you free to go live life, not defined by the worst or the darkest moments, but by grace and hope and love and power and strength. This is graduation day, and you get to launch into the future with hope, with joy, and to witness a faith like this woman had a chance in her own life. We lean into the future with expectation, with anticipation, and not just the graduates this year, but all of us who are graduating out of this moment, we get to choose the future that we want to enter into. I am not going back to the old normal. I am going to choose, and I invite you to choose with me to embrace the new day, the new life that we're given in Jesus Christ, the new kind of ways in which we can engage and interact with the world, the world that we can change to make it reflect more the kingdom of God on earth. This is our graduation day, each and every one of us, and I celebrate with you that we've made it this far. And to the glory of God, I lean with you into a joy of knowing that soon we will be back together. I don't know when, but soon we'll be back together, but never again in the old way. We will be a community and a people that begins to say, as this woman surely must have when she walked away from this moment, I know who I am. I'm a liberated, freed child of God, and Jesus is the one who made it possible. And to him I will live, and his story I will tell, and his justice I will rain down, and his mercy I will give, and his hope and love and faith will be the way in which people will know us to the glory of Jesus Christ. Make it so, for Christ has made it possible on this graduation day. Thanks be to God, and amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.